The following audio is from a sermon series called Everyday Gospel. For more information about Sacred City Church, please visit sacredcitychurch.com. And this is the word of the Lord, Exodus 20:8 through 10. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the the Sabbath day and made it holy. Hear also the word of the Lord, Hebrews 3, 7 through 4, 11. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion on the day of the testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for forty years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end, as it is said, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that he would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter the rest as he has said. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all of his works, and again in this passage he said, They shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, And those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day today, saying, Through David, so long afterwards, in the words already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from the works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated.
Good morning. Check, check, check. I sound funny. I don't know if I'm getting, I think I'm hearing myself up here or something. But I sound funny, that's for sure. Good morning. Welcome to Sacred City Church. Yeah, I got to be up in here. I'm in some fish barrel or something. Um, So I've got a few announcements real quick before we jump into things. Next Sunday, we are having a baptism service. So uh, we will be baptizing those of you who are are, uh, new believers that have came to Christ. We'll be baptizing you next week. We're really excited about that. And um, for those of you, we we have a dual baptism uh, um, policy here at Sacred City. So those who are... uh, dedicating or baptizing their children next week. We'll have that as well. So all of that information is on the city. If you are a new believer, there's a book at the welcome area, the, the box office that you can grab. We want you to read that. And there's a process we want to walk you through on the city. So please do that. I'm waiting. You're going to have to get this figured out, brother, because you can come up here and hear it. I don't know if it's those speakers. I don't know what it is, but I'm hearing myself and I don't like it. <laughs> Uh, so that's next week. Uh, so if you're an adult, please check out the baptism process on the city. If you want to be baptized, it's a great day to celebrate the Lord and what he's done. So be here, bring some friends, uh, bring your neighbors. It's a great opportunity to come out, uh, and, and see, just testify what the, what the Lord's doing and how the spirit's using us, um, to fulfill his mission here at sacred city. Check, 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 check. Can you hear it? Oh man. You don't hear my voice ringing funny? Yeah, it doesn't sound like that out there. Okay. So I just got to live with it? Maybe. All right, Lord. I can live with it. <clears throat> I can do it. All right. Well, let me pray, and let's just jump in this morning. Again, I want to welcome you. My name is Justin. I'm the pastor around here. Uh, I'm really particular, and I don't like, you know, I'm kind of an anal guy, so that's why. Here we go. Let's pray for the Spirit to use a moron like me. Father, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for gathering a people. We thank you for the work of your son that is over above and under any of the work that we'll ever do, that it gives meaning and purpose to everything that even today there's work being done of eternal significance for your glory that will work on into eternity, that will work on into new creation that will Um, The echoes of it will reverberate and do all eternity. And we thank you for giving that kind of substance and that kind of meaning to today's gathering and to what we are doing this morning. I ask that your spirit would fill my mind, that you would think through my mind and you would speak through my vocal cords. I ask that you would um, listen through our ears, that we could hear what the spirit is saying that we have uh, many voices that are going on right now in our mind. We have um, notifications that are showing up on our phone to pull our attention away. We have emails coming in. We have thoughts of what we need to do for the rest of the day and what this week is going to hold for us and how we're going to pay our bills and if we're going to get our kids to practices on time and how all of the checklist of our, of our future week that's coming. Father, we have all these things in our mind and, and they're crowding out what, what you want to do Uh, this morning. And we ask that your spirit would give us focus, that your spirit would um, use us this morning and cut through all of those distractions to speak something eternity, eternal um, to our heart. We 
Scripture says that our deep cries out for deep, that something deep in us cries out for you. And I ask that uh, you would give our souls rest this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, when I'm out of it, it's a longer prayer when I start, so that's just how it goes. Casey's got a smaller head than me, so. All right, well, it's good to be back in the Quad Cities. I'm going to be getting used to being back here. I'm going to be getting used to all kinds of stuff right now. But it's good to be back in the Quad Cities worshiping with you guys. Um, I love you. I really do. Uh, I, I, I realize that even more when I go somewhere else. And we got to spend, my wife and I and Sam, we got to spend the last week in Tacoma, Washington with uh, another one of our Acts 29 churches, another uh, gospel-centered missional church called Soma Communities. Soma Communities are led by Jeff Vanderstelt. He's probably the leading voice right now in the world on missional communities. Um, He's on all, I mean, he's just everywhere right now. And he's part of our network and we got to go out and live with them for a week and just wanted to learn from them, wanted to see how bad we've been screwing it up here in the Quad Cities. And uh, surprisingly, uh, God has been really gracious to us, obviously. And uh, we were really encouraged this week. We learned a lot. We were challenged. Um, but God has just been gracious to us and he's doing something really unique. Um, they were shocked when they asked how many people come on Sunday morning. And I, I told them and they go, how many people you have in missional communities? And I told them, and those numbers are just about the same. And they were like, "What?" They, they couldn't believe it. They'd never heard anything like that. Like just about the majority of the people that gather with us on Sunday are involved in a missional community, living their lives on mission. And it's really, it's a testimony to just the spirit's work here in the, in the city. So we were really, really encouraged by it. But uh, it's also just, and here's the thing. I love it. When, when, when they want to teach you how to make disciples, they don't say, come out and come to this class. They go, the only way you're going to know how to do this is if you come live with us for a week. Because, you know, the same way we make disciples around here, it's life on life, in community, on mission. You know, it's not a class. So what do we do? We, we go out there and there's about 35 leaders from around the world. We had people from Sierra Leone, people from Latvia, people from Germany. There are people from all over the world that, got, that came out to this. It's called Soma School. And, and you live. So a man and I lived with another couple for a solid week. All right. And there's just a lot of weirdness that goes into that. Like I'm sitting here like, oh, man, who? What's, you know, we, we don't know anything about them. We're just going, I'm like, can't we just stay at a hotel? Like, I don't, what if they have cats? Like, I, you know, like, cats are of the devil, right? Sorry, didn't, if you're a cat lover, you can repent later. Um, but we were really concerned about this. And, and God in his grace, we get there and the couple, uh, they've got two little kids, which is beautiful because my wife, you know, she was going to be, you know, fiending for our kids. She's, I, I already knew at day four, she's going to be threatening to rent a car and drive home. I already knew it was happening. So luckily they had two little kids that kept her, you know, pacified a little bit with little kids. And uh, like the first day we're there, the, the guy goes, well, you know, I, I wake up pretty early in the morning. I got, I, I got to go to the gym and work out. And I was like, ah, what, where, where do you work out? And he goes, well, we do this thing called CrossFit. And I was like, whoa. And uh, they had a little garage gym that they got to go. So we got to go work out with them. And it was like, just like being at home. So it was amazing how in the whole church, like they're like one couple that CrossFits and God puts us with them. And it was just, God really orchestrated it. It was amazing. It was, it was a great opportunity just to feel at home and to, uh, to really just be blessed while we were, while we were gone. So it, it was good to be gone, but it was also really good to be back. And I just want you guys to know how much I love you, how much I missed being gone, how, how blessed I am to be 
a part of this work that God's doing. So it was a really fruitful week, but it's good to be back. And today we're going to kind of jump right back into Everyday Gospel. It's just a three-week little mini-series. We're going to be jumping back into this from now and again. Uh, but it's a three-week three little mini-series on how the gospel impacts and affects the everyday realities of our life. Not just our eternity. So many people separate the gospel and think, well, that's just about getting into heaven. And they don't really understand how the gospel impacts the nitty-gritty details of our life. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about marriage in light of the gospel. You can find that online at sacredcitychurch.com if you want to. And last week, Casey did a great job uh, talking about how parenting uh, in a gospel-centered way. Uh, and, and that's the only time a Johnny football illustration will be used from this pulpit. Roll Tide. And today uh, we're going to take... No, I'm just playing. And today we're going to talk about uh, the two aspects um, of our life that are probably, I'm going to say one of the most, probably the two most uh, maybe influential aspects of our life are definitely the, the two aspects of our life that we spend the most time doing, okay? I had a little slide, I'm not going to show it, that showed the average American between 15 and like 65. They spend about eight and a half hours a day working, and they spend about seven and a half hours, I think, a day sleeping, Okay? So that's the majority of our life right there. And this is from 15 to 65. So if your numbers don't add up there, it's because these 15-year-olds, they're sleeping 24 hours a day, right? And they're not working at all. So that, they bring our score down a little bit. But most of us work a lot more and sleep a lot less, right? And this has been going on and on actually through, through the centuries, that our work days are getting longer, our work, and that's including weekends, by the way. Our work weeks have been getting longer, So, today we're going to be talking about how the gospel impacts our work and our rest. And if I had to give a pretty, pretty accurate, yet still an overgeneralization, I would say that there are two types of people in here this morning. Those who work too much and have a hard time resting. And those who rest too much and have a hard time working. Alright? I bet you lean... In one of those directions, either you work too long and you have a hard time resting or you rest too long and you have a hard time working. We probably know because if, nah, I, won't, I, won't, I won't call anybody out who's late to church this morning. But <clears throat> so that is to say, listen, this is what, what, I'm, what I mean by that is we usually make a God out of one or the other. We usually worship either our work or we worship our rest. If you worship your work, when people usually ask you how you're doing, you usually say something like this, oh, things are just crazy right now. I'm just, I'm just crazy busy. And then you go on about the season you are in at work or with the kids or school or whatever, Right? You, if you worship your work, you probably never shut it off. You probably take it home with you, this little demonic device, right? Called a smartphone that whispers omnipresence and omnipotence in your ear. You're needed at work. They need you. The world can't revolve unless you respond to this email right now in the middle of dinner or on date night. Or right before you go to bed, 
right? You, you, you take a day off, but your heart doesn't take a day off. Your mind doesn't, t- you're resting, right? In between games of racquetball, you're going out and you're responding to email. You bring it on the golf course with you. It just whispers to you always. So you're, re- you're kind of rest sometimes, but you don't really rest. And I used to be like this. I used to go on vacation and about day five, I felt like a meaningless turd. I was like, I haven't produced anything this week. Nobody's needing me this week. And then I would go through this, like the last two, two days of vacation of just like, is anything I'm doing, do, is, it, is it doing anything? Does anything I'm producing have any value? And I wondered why I felt like this weight. I was on vacation and I hated it. I, because I needed to be needed. I needed to be producing. I needed to be working. I needed to be valued by my boss or valued by the employees I had or valued by the customer or valued by whatever. It's really hard for me to work, to rest. But if you worship rest, well, you probably live for the weekend, right? You put in your hours at work or, or maybe you don't, right? Then you dread. So you work week and then you party on the weekend or you just enjoy, you know, playing 12 hours of Call of Duty on the weekend, right? Whatever it is. And then you dread Monday morning. People ask you how you're doing and you say, okay, but I hate my job. I need to find a better job. I'm tired of working my life away. So I'm going to say that most of us, if not all of us, we're going to lean one way or another on that work rest spectrum. And you are probably already know already. I tend to worship my work. I love being productive And that leads me to say yes to too many things, which makes my to-do list longer and longer and longer. And then usually spills over into the time I'm supposed to be resting. So I'll be answering emails at night or working on my sermon on my day off. And I end up burning the candle at both ends. And what I want you to see this morning and what we need to recognize is this is a gospel problem. This is not a boundaries issue. This is a gospel problem. This is a heart issue. This stems from my heart that longs to be justified, longs to find my meaning and my significance and my value through the work that I do, through my own labor. This is a gospel issue for me. If I, you know, it's that thing that whispers in my ear, if you just get that done, then you'll be complete. If you just get that done, then you'll be somebody. If you just get that done, then you'll make people happy. There's a big problem with that scenario. My to-do list is never done. There are always more books to read. There's always going to be more projects to tackle. Always more people to meet with. Isn't that the truth for you? Parents especially. The doer's list is never done. So if my joy... Listen, if in my mind or in my heart, my joy is found on the other end of my to-do list, I'm going to have to usually live with a mild sense of exhaustion or anxiety. And I'm probably going to be self-medicating with caffeine and or alcohol, usually like 
two o'clock, caffeine, right? Popping that baby to get through. And then now I can't go to sleep at night, so I got to have a drink before I go to bed, right? Family, family of God, this is not the life that God has for us. Mute me real quick so I can mess with this mic. There we go. I think I should be good. In the, so here we go. This is, the, this is not the life God has for us, but for us to really understand that, we have to understand the purpose. So we've got to go back to the beginning and find what's the purpose of work and rest. And then after we find out the purpose, we need to see how the gospel, so what, happened, what God did in Jesus Christ, how that changes the way that we work and rest. See, in the beginning, the scripture tells us that God created everything in six days. Everything that was to be created, he put the building blocks for all of creation, and he laid those in six days. Let's just say Monday, no, Sunday through Friday, all right? God did that. And then on the seventh day, that's Saturday, God did something that should be, when we read this, pretty shocking. The Bible says that God, the only uncreated creator who has no needs in himself, He's all sufficient and all powerful. He never lacks anything or ever runs out of energy. God never gets tired. He never needs a shot of espresso to make it through the end of his to-do list. But this uncreated creator, the God, the only God, he does something that's shocking. He finishes his work. Right? That's pretty shocking in itself. At the end of the week... God is the only one who finishes his to-do list. Remember that because if you're chasing the end of your to-do list, you might just be trying to do something that only God can do. Which is obviously going to lead you to a life of frustration and probably a life of exhaustion. If you're trying to do something that only God can do, which is finish his to-do list. If you're trying to be God, it's probably not going to go well for you. But then what does God do next? He works six days, finishes his creation, and then he takes a day off. And he rested from his work. Now, this is really important. God didn't rest because he was tired, right? God doesn't get tired. And God doesn't just veg out either. Listen, if, if if God ceased to work, guess what would happen? All of creation would just, because God literally is holding us together. He's holding all of creation together, right? He doesn't just, it's not like a clock that he winds up and then he sets it in a corner and then it just keeps going for a while. That God is intimately involved with all of, all of his creation all of the time. So if God on the seventh day just stopped working, everything else would stop working too. So what he does is he works six days and then he rests on the seventh But what is this resting? Mm. If you don't want it to come flying back at you, we better figure something out. It's just like that. All right. Praise the Lord for technology. I might, but... Never mind. 
I apologize if you're listening to this on podcast and you don't see any of my frustration. So what's he doing on his seventh day? What's God doing on his seventh day? He's not just creating six days and then vegging out one day, right? He's doing something specific. He creates six days a week and then he, he calls it a Sabbath rest. What is a Sabbath rest? God is doing something specific on the seventh day. He's actually enjoying what he created. He works, he rests from his process of creation. So he's completed that work. And then on the seventh day, he's enjoying it. God works six days, then he rests on the seventh, calling it a Sabbath and making it holy. Now, I love this. When I ask my son what God did on the seventh day, he always responds by saying he rested and enjoyed the sun. I've never told him that, and I like it. Like, yeah, sits back and enjoys, right? That's doing something. He's enjoying the sun. So as we get going, what I want us to see here is that there is a creational uh, mandate. There's a, a precedent for us to work and then rest that was set at creation by a God who doesn't need rest. God could have created in seven days, right? Or he could have yeah, created in seven days and not rested at all. He didn't need any rest, but he wanted to teach us something. He wanted to get something down in our gut. He wanted to get something down in our DNA. He wanted to, to shape us in a certain way because he made us a mago day in the image of God to image him and reflect his glory. See, this is how God created the world. He worked, then he rested. What does that mean for us? It means we need to stop and enjoy God. We need to enjoy his creation. We need to enjoy the fruits of our labor. The whole point of Sabbath is joy in what God has done. Now listen. If you're worshiping another God, if you're worshiping your work, you'll never hear this. You'll never take time to really rest and enjoy it. The workaholic dad who neglects his kid and neglects his health. He doesn't have time to, for the gym. He doesn't have time to eat right. He doesn't have time to be at home with the family or go to the baseball games. or go. To, he doesn't have time. And he lies to himself and he says, I'm doing this for my family. I never had enough as a kid, so I'm trying to provide for my family. So he's saying he's lying to himself. He's never going to enjoy it. The kids aren't going to enjoy him. He needs a Sabbath. He needs a Sabbath. But, so, then as we continue to follow the story of God through the Old Testament, we see this really begin to take shape in the lives of God's people. Okay? So we saw it in creation. It wasn't a law, but we saw it in creation. Okay, God, he works six days and he rests one day. Maybe there's something to that. But then as we follow it into the story of God, as God led the Hebrews out of Egyptian slavery. They were in slavery over 400 years. They were working seven days a week. They had no days off, right? They're working under the, hand of, under the hand of Pharaoh and they come out with that rhythm of life. Listen, if you grew up working seven days a week, guess what you're probably gonna do? Work seven days a week. So they're coming out of, out of Egyptian slavery and they're working seven days a week and this is what God says to them. He, we know he gives them, he takes Moses up on a Mount Sinai, he gives them the 10 commandments. Right? Does anybody know the fourth commandment? Ooh, we read it this morning. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath 
and keep it holy. And it says that this day is a Sabbath. Now, this is specific Sabbath to the Lord your God. So there's something significant about the way that we're supposed to spend the seventh day that is to the Lord. All right? So it's not just a day that we go and we get recharged. It's not just a day where we just veg out and let the beauty, you know, the beauty of the TV screen wash over us. Right? There's something specific that the way we're meant to live our seventh day, there's something significant about that that should be done, quote unquote, to the Lord. I want to, I need to wash that over because in our workaholic society, and I'm probably going, because I'm a worker myself, I'm probably going to err today. I'm going to speak more to those workers out there. Okay. The rest, the ones who rest and have an issue with, with actually having a jobby job. I I yell at you most weeks, right? But this week I'm going to, I'm going to speak mainly to the workers. When you're burning the candle at both ends, physically you're ruining your body. Physically, if you're, if you're caffeinating and alcohol to, 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 to manage your emotion, like your adrenal glands are going to blow out. You're probably running on adrenaline and, it, and eventually you're going to crash. It's going to happen. But what I want, what I want you to see is, is the rest God commands us. The Sabbath God commands us. It's not just for your physical body. So don't think, well, I'm not tired. I'm feeling good. I'm in my prime, baby. I can go like this for a long time. There's something deeper than just physical rest. The Sabbath is, it's not just family time. It's not just me time. It's meant to be unto the Lord. But for those of us who live to rest, and we often worship our rest, we dream, we're, you know, it was funny. We, we, we were up in the, the Pacific Northwest, and Portland is such a weird city. Portland is just a weird city. And, and they, they literally call it the place where 20-year-olds go to retire. Because everyone there is young, hipster, like they're drinking $8 coffee, right? And it's like, where, how do you afford this? Right? Well, probably they don't have cars. They bike everywhere. You know, like, it, it just, it's just crazy. But that's that kind of mentality that if you worship your rest, you, you probably like dream of Portlandia. Oh, I could just drink coffee and listen to avant-garde music that nobody's ever heard of all day. But for those of us who, who tend to be on that side of the spectrum and we worship our rest, let me point out something pretty obvious here. In that commandment to Sabbath, did we hear the first part of it? It said this, six days you shall labor and do all your work. Listen, your 24-hour work week isn't even biblical. Man, I was about to have a really good point on that, brother. I was really going to yell at him. I yell at him a lot, and he's not like hidden behind a booth. Everybody can see him. It's terrible. So he does a great job. I'm just in a funky mood this morning. <clears throat> I 
So, for those of us who err on the side of resting, did you just hear that commandment from, the, from God? It said, this I want you to do. Six days shall you labor, and one you should rest. Now listen, for us right now in America, we're like, what six days? But these guys were coming out of seven days a week, working every day, working from sunup to sundown. When they heard this command to Sabbath, they're like, a day off? A day to rest? A day to live under the Lord? This is amazing. But if you, if you, you know, if you're one of the ones who worship rest and you're, you know, you're 16 and thinking about how you can retire, right? We need to hear this. Your, your 24 hour work week isn't even biblical. It's not even biblical. Work six days in Sabbath one. If you're afraid to work full time because it might cut into your Netflix time, you need to repent and go get a big boy or a big girl job. See, God built us to mirror his image in creation. We are to labor six days and Sabbath one. That is our natural created rhythm. And that's one way that we get to image our creator. Be productive six days and rest on one. If you worship your rest, you're not being productive. You might be wasting the life that God gave you. God, Jesus Christ right now is king over all of creation. He died. He lived a perfect life. He died a substitutionary death to pay for our sins. He was resurrected to show us the power he has over all creation, over sin and death. And then he ascended to be king right now. And he's ruling and reigning over all of creation creation and he fills his people with his spirit to go be productive on this earth right now to renew creation to plant good businesses to to uh, renew the environment to work for his glory to make disciples to plant churches there is a lot of good work that needs to be done on this earth and if you're working 24 hours a week and sleeping 12 hours a day you are wasting your life you're wasting it and you get one shot at this We get one chance, right? We're here for a blink. We're here for a moment and we're gone. And you're missing out on a great joy because to be filled with the spirit of God, to go make good culture, to go work hard for the glory of God, it's beautiful. It's great. You're missing out. See, we are, and now if you live in America, which most of us do, right? Sorry. We are blessed in this country, to have a typical, you know, it's typical to have a, a five-day work week. Other jobs don't, but mo- most of them have a typical five-day work week. Now, do you know why? Like, this isn't universal. Every culture in the world does not se- have a five-day work week and two days off. The reason that we have this is because when the founding fathers, the fa- when they're founding this country, they used... Uh, the biblical week, seven-day week, but they couldn't agree over which day to Sabbath. Because if you didn't know, the, the, in the Old Testament, we just saw God rested on Saturday, the last day of creation, right? So the, the Jewish Sabbath is actually on Saturdays, and there's Jews still celebrate Sabbath on Saturday. But in the New Testament, they celebrate actually from Friday at, at dusk until Saturday, all day Saturday until it gets dark again. But then on Sunday, Sunday's the day Jesus Christ was resurrected. So in the New Testament, they called Sunday the Lord's Day. It's the, so it was the new Sabbath. So Jews Sabbath on Saturday and Christians on Sunday. And I guess our founding fathers, they didn't want to quabble over it too much. So they started a five-day work week and gave us two days off each week. 
And then this really kind of caught on and solidified during industrialization with Henry Ford cutting back the work week to 40 hours spread across Monday through Friday. Right? So, thank God for our founding fathers and thank God for Henry Ford. You got a five-day work week and you get two days off. Be thankful for that, right? So this is, but what I want you to see is this is a cultural norm. It's not a biblical one. It's cultural. And you might have, we've all been raised, most of us have been raised in this culture, so we just expect to work five days and, you know, put in a nine to five and then go home and enjoy two days off. But that's a cultural norm and not a biblical one. So if you work five days a week, that usually gives you two days off. One of those days is probably spent working around your house, doing chores and fixing the house and mowing the yard and doing whatever you got to do, watching football. And the other one is meant to be lived unto the Lord. So for me, I work on Sundays, obviously, so I try to Sabbath on Fridays. And I spend my Saturdays doing chores and hanging with my family and trying to do that kind of stuff. And then on, on Friday, I try to do things that restore my soul. I'm going to get into that a little bit more. But I'm gonna, right now I want to ask you, what does your typical week look like? Are you working too much or are you resting too much? Teenagers, we already know the answer. Now this is where things get a little tricky. What does it mean for us to live and to use our Sabbath unto the Lord? What does it mean? And Sabbath just means to rest, okay? Sabbath is a day that we, we stop working and we enjoy God. That's the easiest way to describe it, okay? Now, the Jews meant that Sabbath rest meant ceasing from all labor. Now, that gets really interesting. Just what constitutes labor? Is getting out of bed labor? Is eating labor? Is washing your face labor? I really hope not. If little Timmy falls into well, can you pull him out? If mama goes into labor, can she labor? This gets really tricky, right? This gets really tricky. So the Jewish people did what all humans do. They made a a really, really, really long and complicated uh, list, right? They enacted hundreds of rules on how to Sabbath without actually working, okay? And... um, the founding founder of the Actually United Network, Pastor Mark Driscoll, he just was over in Israel. And uh, he, he tells a story that he, he was, there was two elevators. And one said Sabbath elevator, and one just said elevator. And there was this long, it was Sunday, or it was a Saturday, I'm sorry, it was a Saturday. And all these people were lined up on the Sabbath elevator. And there was nobody, and the doors just kept opening on the regular one. And he's like, What? He steps into this Sabbath elevator. He steps into the regular elevator, and then all of a sudden, like half the line comes crowding into, crowding into his elevator. And he's like, "What's going on?" The Sabbath elevator, all of the buttons stay pushed all the time, so it stops at every single floor. Nobody ever has to push a button, because pushing a button would be work on the Sabbath. And the reason they all jumped in his and they all go, "Could you push that button? Could you push floor number five? Could you push floor number six? They can't push a button on the Sabbath. And in the Old Testament, this was seriously, people would be killed for violating the Sabbath. It was that serious, right? So the Jewish people have taken this to the far extreme, right, of of what to do. Like, that's what we all do. We're legalists, right? By nature, we want to justify ourselves through all these works. 
But when Jesus, this is one of the things that got him killed, by the way. Jesus, the son of God, he came to this earth as a Jewish man, born into the Jewish culture with the Jewish Sabbath rituals and the Jewish Sabbath rhythms where you don't work and you don't pick grain and you don't heal. You don't do any of those things on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a day holy to the Lord where I don't know what you do. You just do. You just be. Right? I don't know how you live without working. But what does Jesus do? See, Jesus, the Son of God, comes and he shows us what a true Sabbath looks like. His interpretation of the Sabbath was much different. See, he broke many of the Jewish leaders' Sabbath rules. He healed people on the Sabbath. He fed people on the Sabbath. And he did many great things on the Sabbath. And then what what do the Jewish people do? The Jewish people look at Jesus... He's breaking all these Sabbath rules and they say, you're not, you're, you're, you're breaking the fourth commandment. That's a big deal. You're breaking the fourth commandment. You're guilt. You're guilty. You, You deserve to be killed. And then when Jesus responds like this, when they accuse him, he says this, this is going to flip the script on the Sabbath. He says, the Sabbath, he says two things. First, the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So he's saying the Sabbath is meant to be a blessing to man. It's not meant to be this rule-driven, crazy, uh, you know, checklist type of day. It's meant to bless us. And then the second thing he says is this. This is just Jesus. Only Jesus can say it. Don't you know that I'm Lord of the Sabbath? Jesus said that he is Lord of the Sabbath. So he's above and over the Sabbath. So Jesus makes it really clear in the New Testament that the Sabbath is not about what you can and can't do. It's meant for man. It's meant to be a blessing, not a stressful, legalistic labor strike. So what is the Sabbath all about? Just what's it for? Let's take a look at Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. It's in the back of your Bible. You can find it on our... Um, also, I wanted to let you know that on our uh, liturgy, on version, on your smartphones, if you have the, the, the app there, uh, there's some extra stuff for you in the notes section on Sabbath. And I also posted a post this morning on five ways to... five tips to Sabbath well. So you can find that on the city. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. Now, as she was reading that this morning, you're probably thinking, what the heck is going on here? This is really, this is a little confusing. We're going to go through it. I'm going to give you some back. I'm going to give you some backstory. I'm going to do my best to, to help you, uh, to help work through it. Let's go. Let's read, uh, chapter three, verse seven. You there? Say there. All right, here we go. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart for they have not known my ways as I swore in my wrath. They shall not enter into my rest. Take care, brothers and sisters. Let there be in any of you an evil. Look at this unbelieving heart. Look at what it does. Leading you to fall away from the living God. So let me stop right there and say this. 
These people were not obeying God, and God doesn't just slap them on the wrist and say, shame on you. He says, the reason you're not obeying is because you have an evil, unbelieving heart. My work problem and my rest problem and your work problem and your rest problem, it stems from our evil, unbelieving heart. It stems from in here. Okay, it's not, it's not your boss. I'm sorry. It's not the slave driver. It's not him. It's not your neighbors. It's not your parents. It's not the reason you're overworking or underworking. You could point the finger all you want. But really, biblically speaking, this is how we need to point the finger. We have a heart that doesn't want to obey God. We have a heart that wants to find our meaning outside of him in our work or in our rest. Okay? And to give you a little backstory, right here, the writer of Hebrews, he's quoting Psalm 95. Okay? And Psalm 95 is David speaking about the Exodus. And the Exodus, I've already talked a little bit about it. Moses leads all these people. They're on the edge of what's called the promised land. They're coming out of slavery. And God talks about the promised land like it's a rest. That's a place of rest over there. You've been working. You've been under Egyptian slavery. This, this working your whole life away, that's a type of slavery. And now you're going to be driven into this rest. But the people on the edge of the wilderness, Moses included, if you know the story, it's a terrible story. Moses leads these unbelieving people out and God takes them up onto a mountain and Moses responds in, dis- in, in, in disobedience and God says, look out over the promised land. Moses goes, wow, look at the promised land. Look at God's rest. And God says, yeah, you're not going to go. I'm going to kill you right here. Literally. And Moses dies. Doesn't get to enter God's rest. Why? Because of his evil, unbelieving heart. He doesn't respond to faith. In God. And then the majority of those who wandered in the desert for 40 years, they die and they don't get to go into the promised rest. But what the writer of Hebrews is saying here, and we're about to get into it, he's saying that promised rest, that wasn't it. That was really pointing to something more significant. That was really pointing to something that could be found in the future. See, the promised land here is, is pictured and depicted as a Sabbath, a place of rest. But Moses and the people of that first generation of Israelites did not get to enter that rest because they lacked the faith, the belief to follow God. Now look at verse, look at chapter four, verse one. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands. Okay, right there. There's still a promise for the rest of God. There's still something significant and a deep soul rest that still is out there for us. Let us... Fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news, gospel came to us just as it came to them. But the message they heard, listen, did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he has said, they sworn my wrath, they shall not enter that rest. So he says, faith will get you into this rest. Verse four, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. Now listen to verse six. So therefore it remains for some to enter it. And those who formerly received the good news failed to enter it because of their disobedience. Again, he points a certain day today saying through David, 
It's quoting Psalm 95. So long afterward, and the word's already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Verse 8, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So, confusing. I know it's getting confusing. They're right on the edge. Moses is dead. Joshua's about to leave the people into the promised land. And what he's saying is, they're going to get, they get to the promised land, but that's not the rest I was talking about. They thought that was the land of rest. They thought that the Sabbath rest, there's something deeper. The Sabbath was pointing towards the promised land, but it's also pointing to something else, something that's still available for us. The promised land wasn't the ultimate Sabbath. It wasn't the ultimate rest from labor. Labor. There still remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God to look forward to. Look at verse 9. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever, here's a key, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. God created us to rest. God commanded us to rest. And now through the gospel, God's telling us there is a rest available for us. And the craziest, one of the craziest scriptures here, it says, strive therefore to enter that rest. That means most people don't know how to rest. Most people don't know how to get into God's rest. So here we are. Just what is this Sabbath rest for the people of God? What, what does this mean for us? And I'm going to say this. I'm just going to declare it like this. It's a gospel Sabbath. It's a Sabbath of faith. And I believe it's twofold. First, the Sabbath rest obviously is pointing towards heaven and pointing towards new creation. It's where all of creation is headed right now with the believers in Christ leading the way. It's the day when this world will be renewed and all of the pain and suffering will be atoned for, that everything will be made right. Creation itself will rest, no longer groaning under the weight of sin. And we will rest in the heavens and the new creation. We will be complete in Christ, united with God, and our hearts will be happy. We will be totally satisfied, and all of our striving will be ancient history. There'll be no more grasping at significance, no more working for the approval of others, no more laboring under the weight of sin to just eke out a living. We will rest. In the new heavens and the new earth, we will still work, but it will be a restful work. We have a rhythm around here at Sacred City that we call it recreation. Recreation. It's a restful creating. If you're an artist, you get this. When you're you're working with your hands or you're painting or you're snapping pictures or you're building something that you enjoy doing, it's work, but it doesn't feel like work. That's the kind of work we'll be doing in the new creation. Art, sport, play. We will enjoy it forever. So... Hebrews is telling us here that the Sabbath has always been pointing toward this goal. From creation to the Ten Commandments, it's always been pointing towards this goal that the end result of believers in Christ 
But the Sabbath is about heaven and the new creation that's coming. Guys, that should inform the way we work today. We can work hard six days a week. Why? Because one day we're going to rest. We don't need to pull all of our, we don't need to pool all of our rest and live today like we're not going to rest for eternity. We can work hard today because rest is coming. An eternal rest of God is coming. That can change the way we live. But the Sabbath also points to how we get into God's rest. So this is kind of big. The rest is out there. The rest is out there. It's coming. It's new creation. It's heaven. But the rest is something else too. There's something that can be had right here. There's something that can be experienced right now. There's some kind of Sabbath rest rest that can rest your soul. See, the Sabbath rest also points to how we get into God's rest. Jesus said this, all of us workers, all of us doers, you need to hear this this morning. Jesus said this, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Every mother in this place needs that word right now. Come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus is the rest giver. Jesus is our Sabbath king. But here's the thing that most of the world misses. The only way to get into this rest. The world misses this. Our culture misses this. We don't, we don't conceive of this. This doesn't come to the mind of man. How do I get into the rest of God? All of us, we know how we get into rest. We work our butts off. We earn it. And then we rest the last 20 years of our life, right? In a nursing home where we can't even enjoy it. That's how you earn rest. You crush your twenties to your forties. Just crush it. Burn up your adrenal glands, tick off all your family, store away all your money, don't give to the church. Just, it's all about you. That was 20 years. And then the.
more striving. And I'm not just talking physical, I'm talking internal. Striving to be somebody, striving to prove yourself. Striving to be the perfect mom whose house never gets messy. The kids never poop on the floor. <laughs> yeah, I'm on that thing, instead of going out to the world, I got freedom this morning. <laughs> if you aren't resting in your soul, your work is killing you. Why? It's Pharaoh. It's your slave master. You're not good enough. You're not there. You don't have enough money. You're not successful enough. What are people saying? What are people saying? The neighbor got a new minivan. You better get one. Right? Neighbor put a new roof on. You better put a roof on. Their kids are going to private school. Your kids better go to private school. Right? It never ceases. Never stops. It's killing you right now. And guess what? If you're, if you're worshiping your rest, that's killing you too. That's killing your productivity. That's killing, you know, the, the future that you could leave your kids. Right? That's the thing about Portlandia. None of them have kids. They're all kids. They're 25 and still kids. They go to get their $6 coffee. The credit card doesn't come through. Oh. Right? And they're like, I'm in school. I'm taking four hours. I swear. Right? Like, right? They're like, Eight out, eight, eight, eight year, eight year education for associate's degree. <laughs> right? How do people go to school for eight years? Yeah, they're called doctors. <laughs> what, what am I talking about? What am I talking about here? The Sabbath, the rest that Jesus offers us. This is the gospel. This is what we need to hear this morning. You will, all of that, trying to prove yourself, we think this is just like a little phobia. That trying to prove yourself, trying, we hear dad's voice in the back of our head that says you're never going to make it, so we're going to prove him wrong. Right? Or we saw dad overwork, so we're going to chill and just, you know, work eight hours a week. All of that, all of that pressure, this is what the Bible calls that. It's not just a phobia. The Bible calls that a sin. The Bible calls it, you're worshiping another God. It's idolatry. You're either worshiping your rest, trying to find your meaning and significance from it, or you're working, worshiping your work, trying to find your meaning and significance from that. I know I'm somebody, because of the boss, I just sat in the office with the boss, he told me what a great job I'm doing, now I feel really excited. I can work 60 hours a week and sacrifice my family. I feel okay with that now. So it's got my meaning from my boss. Right? That's called sin. Now, how do we get free of that? How do we break loose of that? That right there is a, is a slap in the face of our Creator. Our Creator is the only thing in this world worthy of worship, worthy of glory. He's the uncreated Creator. All of our, all of our worship and our awe should be going to Him and Him alone. And any time it goes to something else, it's sin. So God, if He was just just, if He was just holy, He would just smite us, wipe us out, and be done with us. Create something new. But he's not just holy, he's also gracious. The only God in all the world's religions who's really gracious, who can be holy and gracious at the same time. How can he be holy and gracious? Because God himself is a trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and he sends the Son into time. The perfect, unbegotten Son, the perfect of all, of, of everything. The Son sends him into creation, and Jesus lives a perfect life. And he goes to the cross 
He takes all of our sin, all of our other God worship. We worship work, we worship God. He takes all of that on himself. So he becomes a, a work worshiper. By the way, Jesus, he worked 30 years of his life as a carpenter, and he only had three years of ministry. He knows what it's like to work hard and labor. Right? And he, he absorbs that in himself, and he dies a substitutionary death for us. Right? That's what Jesus Christ does. And what does he do? He's resurrected, and then he offers that to us. He says, if you cease from you trying to be God, or you trying to please God, if you cease from all your work, if you cease from all your labor, and you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, who performed perfectly, he never worshipped another God, he never sinned, by faith, I will transfer Jesus' perfect righteousness to you. And that's how you can be saved. That's how you can be forgiven. Because of Jesus' perfect life and his substitutionary death and his resurrection and his ascension. That can be made ours. See, so this is this is what I mean by it's a gospel issue. The only way into God's rest is by ceasing from your labor. Don't you see your long hours at work? Your incessant people pleasing, all of your good works are really just ways that you're trying to be accepted. You're trying to get into some inner ring. All of that is just your attempt to be justified by your work and your labor. It was Augustine who said in his confessions, Our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. See, Christians are saved by Jesus, the Lord of rest, the Lord of the Sabbath. We are saved by stopping our work and letting Jesus' work wash over us. We do that by faith. We believe that Jesus was the only human who actually completed everything that he was supposed to do. Jesus was the perfect man who pleased the Father perfectly. And because of his perfect obedience and sacrificial death, Jesus is our Sabbath. He in himself is the rest that we need from our work, from our labor, and from our striving. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find help in a time of need. Because of the work of Jesus, we get grace. And grace is rest from our work. Rest is grace from our striving. Rest is grace from our earning. So, can I, let's get really practical here. Let me say this real quick. Every other world religion pretty much gives you a list and says, this is how you please God. Go to work. Right? Pray, study, give to the poor, uh, whatever, whatever it is. Every religion has this list. And at the bottom of this list, you'll find acceptance from God. Once you check it off, you'll find acceptance. Only in Christianity does God say, here's rest. This is what I offer you. Jesus 
check the whole list. And all you have to do is put your faith in Christ. And it's complete. All you do rest for your souls. But Christianity in this country, and actually all over the world, because we're little legalists, we try to turn Christianity into this. Another world religion with a checklist and the satisfaction of God at the bottom of the checklist. That's garbage. That's a false gospel. Come to Jesus. He gives you rest for your soul. If you're weary and heavy laden, here's a list. Good luck with that. Come to Jesus. Rest for your soul. It's a gospel. Now, how does Jesus being our Sabbath rest, how does that change the way we Sabbath? Right? And I'm just going to say, we love to really practical right now. There's more stuff on the city. There's more stuff on that app if you want to find it. But I want to help us out here. This is the big one. Sabbath, rest. The day that we practice Sabbath to honor the fact that we rest. So listen, let me be a really practical right here. Why do we Sabbath? We Sabbath because God created us to Sabbath. God Sabbath Himself. He worked and He enjoyed His creation. That's what we should do. Work and enjoy our creation. Why else should we Sabbath? Because guess what? I'm not justified by my work. And that one day a week reminds me that I'm saved by grace. Reminds me of the gospel of Jesus. And you know what? Today, my boss wants me to prove myself. My family wants me to prove myself. My neighbors want me to prove myself. Everybody wants me to work for my acceptance. But today, I'm resting because Jesus Christ is my Sabbath. And I'm not justified by my work. I'm justified by this work. Right? Brilliant. Beautiful. Thank God for the gospel. So what do we do on that Sabbath? How do we live that Sabbath unto the Lord? What does that look like? Let me give you some practical tips here. This is a big one. It's not legalistic. Okay? It's not legalistic. We're not Jewish. Okay? So take a nap. Ride a bike. Paint a painting. Throw some flowers. Read a book. Hang with your neighbor. Go out with some friends. Serve in the nursery. Read your Bible. Go fishing. Wrestle with your kids. And do it all for the glory of God. Not in one day. That would be really exhausting. <laughs> Go enjoy it. That means you do it all. Remember, what does it mean to do it all to the glory of God? It means whatever you're doing, you're doing it all remembering that Jesus is your rest. Guys, that means you're not trying to find your rest in fishing. You're trying to find your rest in fishing, and you go out there, and you have a bad day fishing, you go back exhausted. Right? You're trying to, if I'm trying to find my rest, I like to smoke cigars on my deck. I get up there in silence and solitude, and I like to just sit there and listen. Right? And then my kids see me outside. Right? What's he doing? He must be doing something really fun. I'm going to go ruin that. <laughs> right? Kids go outside. Yeah, fuck. You know, and just... If I'm finding rest in that activity, when my kids come out, my rest is gone. Never going to find rest. So everything I do, I'm doing under the Lord, knowing that Jesus is my ultimate rest. This thing's not my rest. Right? You want to go to the coffee shop and just get rest or whatever? You sit down and there's a guy playing YouTube videos full volume right now. Right? He's on that cat thing. There's cats on <laughs> So, how do, you, how do you do it in the Lord? You do whatever you do. Whatever you want to do in those moments, you do remembering that Jesus is our rest. That His labor gives us rest from our labor. His work has given eternal significance to all of our work. And now even our rest, this is beautiful, even our rest is worship to the Lord of the Sabbath. 
of our day, D.A. Carson. He said, some of you, the most holy thing you could do today is take a nap. When you take a nap, you say, guess what? I'm going to take a nap. I'm a creative being, and I can't accomplish everything the world wants me to accomplish. I can't meet all my kids' needs. I'm going to lay down, and I'm going to take a nap to the glory of God. <laughs> some of you need that word today. Don't receive that. I'm going to take it myself. <laughs> and listen, the Sabbath, it doesn't have to be a whole day. Okay? Some of you got crazy work schedules. Some of you artists that you work, you know, you maybe have, you do weddings and stuff on weekends. I, I have to do that kind of stuff too. So you don't mind not get a whole day. Right? It's not legalistic. It could be a few hours on Tuesday night, a few on Friday night, a few on Sunday. It doesn't have to be just you and your family. Don't make an idol out of your family. Like, this whole day is my Sabbath day, and nobody can get in. This is just for me and the family. What? No, no, no. Invite your neighbors into it. Guys, you can be on mission. We took our kids yesterday. We, we support World, World Belief. Our mission is on mission there. We went down, took the kids down to, down, down to the race. Our kids had a blast. They had an absolute blast being on mission with us. And that's family time as well. Have a game night for your neighbors. Just have fun while you're resting the glory of God. Now, this is going to be determined by probably how God has wired you. He's wired you as an introvert. You're going to want to get alone. He's wired you as an extrovert. You're going to want to get with people, whatever encourages you, whatever charges you up on your Sabbath. If you're married, extrovert, introvert, figure that out. Good luck with that. <laughs> but here's one big suggestion. One big su- suggestion that I'm going to give you as you seek the Spirit now you should spend your Sabbath. Here's one thing that I would make. I'm not going to make a rule. I'm not going to make a legalistic rule. We're not Jewish. But I would deeply encourage you to do this. Take a screen Sabbath. Unplug yourself from technology. It's really hard. Someone say to Listen. I can't say this. It's really difficult. Some people would probably say it's impossible to watch six hours of Breaking Bad to the Word of God. <laughs> Throw it out. Turn it off. That's not sad. Casey said it last week. Your brain does something different while while watching TV than it does from reading a book. Right? I just tell my kids, TV makes you dumb. Okay? I mean, I'm a bad parent, but I really think it does. TV makes you dumb. Okay? I'm not saying you can't watch TV ever, but on your Sabbath. It's not, it's, it's hard to be worshipful when you're just, I have to hit next episode, right? <laughs> On Netflix, right? Turn it off. Let the calls go to voicemail. Upset the boss by not replying to the email right away. Ignore in- Instagram. Find a big basket and take all the phones and the iPads and the laptops and the remote controls and drop them in there for a good four-hour chunk of time and do something different. Go look at the trees. Go take a walk. Go get out into nature. You might get bored. That's okay. Let God speak. Let your soul rest in Jesus. Listen to what uh, the philosopher and theologian Peter Kreef said. Listen to this. We all need to hear this. This is in a quote. We want, we want 
to complexify our lives. We don't have to. We want to. We want to be harried and hassled and busy. We want to. Unconsciously, we want the very things we complain about. For if we had leisure, we would look at ourselves and listen to our hearts and be terrified. Because that hole is so big that nothing but God can fill it. See, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, text message, email. You're so busy, you forget how meaningless it all is. You forget that all those things are whispering significance to you. I was with a person last week. Posted a picture. I was out to see how I Posted a picture. And I turned around and she said, Yes! Seven likes on it! And I, I just was <laughs> shocked by it. Like, my joy is li- can be legitimately tied to this little thing in my hand where people are liking my pictures. I get a little adrenaline boost. I'm somebody special. How many followers do I have? Throw it away. Put it in a basket and Sabbath and rest from it. And many of it, many of it, if not all of it, is just complexifying our lives so we avoid the inevitable feeling that we can't satisfy ourselves. We have a deep ache for something eternal. And only God can fill that. And I believe the ability to rest well might be the greatest apologetic of the gospel that I can offer my family, my friends, and my neighbors right now. I believe that that might testify to the gospel better than anything else. How well do I rest from my labor? How well do I enjoy what God's created, what God's given me, the work that I've done on this? How well can I enjoy that? In a culture that's busy, nonstop, how can my life be different and show a different king and a different kingdom? The king of rest. Not the Pharaoh king that says, prove, 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 work hard, work hard, earn it, earn it, earn it. That the rest of our culture is serving. But the God of the Sabbath, our King Jesus, who offers us rest from our souls. The way we rest, we show people the gospel. Can I rest and have joy knowing that my work is not complete? Christ is. When we reject rest, we reject the Sabbath, we refuse the Sabbath, and ultimately, we are rejecting grace. And this morning, as we come to the table, this is a meal of grace. Grace. This is a Sabbath meal. You haven't produced this. You haven't worked for this. You haven't done anything to get this. Right? You're not even going to break it yourself. The elders, the elders in training are going to break the bread for you. You're going to stick your hand out. We're going to give it to you. You're going to do nothing for it. You can earn this meal. Christ, He gave His life for it. He lived the perfect life. He died to death. He did it all to give this meaning and significance. All you do is put your faith in Christ and receive it. That's all you do. This is a Sabbath meal. I pray as you take this that Christ would take down into you and it would offer rest 
that you've never experienced before. But you walk out of here today saying, you know what? I'm giving it to Jesus. I'm resting in it. I'm a new person. Jesus offers you that this morning. And I pray that you would repent. What does that mean? Just turn from the other gods you've been worshiping. The God of worship. Or the God of, God of work. Or the God of rest. And you turn to Jesus. The Lord of the Sabbath. The Lord of rest. He offers you rest for yourself. Father, we thank you for this meal. Thank you for doing all the work for our salvation. There's nothing we have to do. You are our salvation. You've completed it. Your work is finished. Thank you, Jesus, for your work. You are Lord of the Sabbath. You are a good giver and a good God, and you give us rest. And then we eat and drink that rest unto ourselves. Praise in your name. Amen.